Born in Whitewater. Don't you love that video? That's, that, that's true Northwest. Always sunny, beautiful people like all you here. Um, we are in the summer of party, and I couldn't be more excited. We actually had our first summer of party event uh, yesterday. It was a big root beer tasting party. It was incredible. Uh, how many guys went? Were some of you guys there? Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, I was, um, there was over 100 root beers. My grandpa was sitting over here just like downing little taste of root beer at a time. And, at, you know, at, at the end of it, he was like, this is my grandpa. You know, he's from a background. He, he, was, he stayed away from, from drinking, but he was like, this is like a cocktail party I can enjoy. And he's just throwing these things <laughs> in the back for Christians like me. Uh, it was pretty, pretty awesome. And I want to thank the blessing team that did that. Would you give them a hand, all the people who made that happen? It was, uh, it was kicked off so well. Um, we're doing a summer of party, 120 days from June through September, because we know in the Northwest, September is still part of summer, uh, of where we have party. And we're really, built, it's about building relationships and finding rest, life-giving relationships that give us rest throughout this summer. And um, last week, if you guys remember, we talked about the reality that we live in this insanely burnout crazy busy culture where people are weary and just burdened with all sorts of stuff in their mind and their hearts and even just you can see it wearing on people's bodies and Jesus came to give us rest and we talked about resting in God and trusting him for the rest now that's kind of easy to say harder to do you agree with me Um, we're gonna be talking more about that this summer but what I wanted to jump into today is this Um, we are gonna be talking about how Jesus partied, how Jesus partied, and uh, let me just um, say a word of prayer, and we'll, get, and we'll get started with this. And Jesus, we love you. Would you speak to us today, Lord? I know it's Father's Day, and you are, you are the good Father. You are the eternal, uh, awesome, loving, gracious Father, and uh, for many people, this is a great day for fathers and father figures, but Lord, I know there's probably some people here where maybe they didn't have that, uh, a, a good father or father figure, a good relationship there. So father day, Father's Day is actually a challenge. Would you speak to all of our hearts and be the example of what a true father is today? Lord, help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the theme verse for our, um, for our series, The Summer of Party, comes out of Matthew chapter 11, starting verse 19. It says this. The Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, you guys have been listening. Uh, it makes me feel so much better about my sermons. Um, the Son of Man, who's Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say he looks like a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Wisdom is proven right by her actions. Jesus is saying, able on me. You're putting a label on me, but my actions will prove whether it's wise or not. How many of you guys have ever been labeled before? You guys have ever had those awful labels like, oh, he's a really good guy, and you're like, oh, shucks, that's really kind of tough. Anybody had those kind of labels like, he's, you're the best, or, she's, the, she's the smartest? Those kind of labels are easier to handle than like the really annoying ones that family have for you, like the nickname or this person's always like that. You guys have families like that or friends like that, and they'll just put a label on you. Have you ever had one that's even more than just annoying, but it actually kind of hurts? Like that someone labels you like that? Jesus is labeled by the religious people of his day and age. He's labeled as a drunk and a glutton. He's labeled as a drunk and a glutton. Like, 
Like, because he's been hanging out with people who eat a lot and they drink a lot. They also call him a friend of sinners, and I think it's really interesting. And Jesus isn't a drunk, he's not a glutton, but, but his enemies have, have decided to label him with that. And they call him a friend of sinners. And that label for Jesus that seems to be like an insult, they're trying to label him with like, you're a friend of sinners. Like these people that are less than, these outsiders, these people who don't know God as well as we do and have all sorts of sin in their life and they're broken and they're, they're just messed up. And uh, you're a friend of those people. And Jesus just takes that label and just fully embraces it and says, yes, I am a friend of sinners. He sees it as a positive. He doesn't back away from that. And, he's, and what, he, what he says is, wisdom will be proven through my actions. I'll be vindicated by my actions. You, you can call me a drunk. I'm not a drunk. Jesus went to all sorts of parties, did all sorts of things, but never sinned. He hung out with sinners, but never sinned. And Jesus hung out with sinners, and he annoyed religious people. And the thing I love about Jesus is no matter what your background is, if you have maybe a background where you've been hurt or didn't understand or didn't like a religious organization or people in your life, no matter maybe where you've been hurt or damaged because of some experience, when we come to the life of Jesus, a friend of sinners... The guy who used to rile up the religious people. There's something compelling about him, isn't there? There's something that's like winsome. Something that like, man, I might not be about this religious stuff, but there's something about Jesus over the ages that time and time again draws our hearts, draws our attention back to him. Even if you don't believe in God at all, there's something about Jesus that I think is incredible. And today, I want to talk to you about that. And the very thing that makes Jesus so incredible also makes him so polarizing because where he embraced the label of friend of sinners the religious people saw that as an insult they saw that as something that was gross to them like why are you friends with those people they can't give you what anything you're not going to get any money with hanging out with those poor people you're not going to get any power hanging without with all those people who are powerless like jesus what's your game it doesn't make sense the game we play is like climbing the ladder. Our religion is a religion of power and of gain, of, of setting ourselves up so that we can look righteous and good. What's your game, Jesus? It doesn't make sense to them. Because Jesus was a friend of sinners. He didn't come to impress or to gain power the way the world did. He didn't care how much money you have or didn't have. That's not, that's not what he was about. He was a friend of sinners. So what did the Pharisees not see what drove them crazy and in luke chapter 5 we pick up a story about a man named levi or also matthew sometimes in the scriptures jesus will give a nickname to someone and they'll he'll change the name from like simon to peter greek to the hebrew uh shifts the name but levi is the same guy as matthew and in luke chapter 5 it, it, it writes about how matthew levi got involved in the jesus movement and it go and it really explains why i think Jesus was so polarizing, so amazing to some people, and then so, like, puzzling to others. Verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting at a tax office, and he said to him, follow me. Just give a little context for this. So, 
Jesus is doing his, he's starting his ministry, he's healing people, teaching people. Um, he is casting out like demons. He's doing all sorts of crazy God things. And he's also building a following of people that look entirely different than what other religious leaders have. And he's picking leaders out. And he comes to a man named Levi who is a tax collector and says, join me. Invites him to follow his way, his philosophy, his paradigm of thinking, his way of existing in the world. Come follow me. But in this culture, like this made no sense. Tax collectors were seen as social pariahs, like at the bottom of the heap. They were, they were seen as like the bottom feeders because they were Jewish in a Jewish culture that was dominated by the Romans. The Romans were the ones in power at this time. You get, most of you guys probably know that. But the Romans were in power, and so they had a tax system set up to tax any people group that was under them. And there was heavy taxes. And tax collectors were Jewish people in a Jewish culture that would actually collect the taxes for the hated enemy, the Romans. And so they already were seen as like, like traitors and betrayers because they were, they were working for the enemy. But more than that, that, many of the tax collectors had a reputation for exploiting the power that they had as the in-between, like as the, uh, the middleman, the tax collector, they would often exploit that power and take more than they needed. And so they're even more hated by the Jewish people. You're seen as a traitor if you're a tax collector. And Jesus walks up to one of the traitors, the social pariahs, one of these guys who has betrayed his own people and says, I want you to come follow me. Jesus sees something in Matthew or Levi that no one else sees. They see a social pariah, a traitor. And Jesus says, come follow me. Have you ever had someone look at your life in the ma- I mean, they really know your life. Not like me, who knows part of your life, or maybe some people in here, or the people that you only show part of your life, but like all of it. Like know the depth of your life. Brokenness, all of it. And still see something in you, and say, hey, I think God can do something with your life. I think you can become something. If you've ever had someone like that in your life, you know what that means. So you know, or have a sense of what Matthew felt when Jesus pointed at him and said, I want you to come follow me. I want you to be a lead, not just follow, but become a leader in my movement. The other context for this moment that's really important for the rest of the sermon, I think this is really important to know, is that in this culture, when rabbis or teachers would call their students, they would take the best of the best. Be the ones who knew the Bible inside and out, you know, front ways, backwards. They'd have large portions of it memorized. They were the brightest students. And so like, like Matthew's whole life, it was like this, this like system of filtering who the, bright, the brightest and the best were. The brightest and the best are the most holy, are the most righteous. And the ones who can't memorize the Bible and aren't the smartest and aren't the most dedicated and have sin in their life and maybe have broken some rules, like they're not going to be chosen to be what's called the disciple, the, the follower of the rabbi's teaching. And Jesus, this new rabbi, who has a totally different approach and is bringing this thing called the kingdom of God, a whole new way of living, where like poor people are actually like, can be rich in God's kingdom, and people who are servants can become the greatest. It's like upside down. All these people are called into 
the kingdom of God. And Matthew has chosen the, the person nobody would pick, the outcast from his own culture, the guy who wasn't smart enough to make the cut with all the other guys, wasn't good enough, wasn't holy enough, wasn't righteous enough. He gets chosen by Jesus to come follow him. And um, we religious people, well, Jesus, what are you thinking? Why are you hanging out with that? Why are you a friend of sinners? I love Matthew's response. I love his response to being chosen. Like, come follow me, invited into the life of Jesus, the life of the kingdom. It goes on to say, um, after he was asked to follow in verse 28, so leaving everything behind, he got up and began following Jesus. And then Levi hosted a grand banquet for who? Jesus. He was honored. Where the Son of God has come to earth, and the religious people whose job is to be ready for God's movement in the world have rejected him. But Matthew, the sinner, the outcast, the nobody, the outsider, sees Jesus, understands this is like incredible love, and he accepts him and brings him into his life. Part of following Jesus is bringing him home with us. Some of us, in our walk with Jesus, we can have Jesus in maybe at work or maybe here, but maybe we need to bring Jesus home a little bit more. He throws a banquet, a party. I love this point. He gets, now there was a large crowd of tax collectors. Because like, they don't have a lot of friends, right, in that culture. It's not like, you know, like, hey, let's go hang out with my tax collector buddies. You know, that was kind of more like a secret, you know, like the gamers or something. Like there's a secret club. Or, you, you know, like your husband's into the motor club. Or, the, you know, there's kind of like these different. And they kind of had their secret club and the tax collectors were there. And other sinners, other people. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I think it's so funny that the, the Pharisees... Like, they don't even have the guts to ask Jesus that. They're like the indirect, you know, the par- person at the party, the family member, the friend, who likes to be real indirect. Hey, how's it going? It's good to see you. Did you hear what they did? Did you hear how stupid they are? Like, why did he do this? They're indirectly talking with the disciples. I love how direct Jesus is, though. He just talks straight to people. You got any family members that struggle with being direct? My wife laughed in the last service when I said that. It was very indirect of her. why do you they can't figure it out like why are you hanging out with this nobody Jesus he hangs out with sinners he's friends of sinners he's taking that label and it frustrates the religious people it frustrates them that he likes what they label them you're not supposed to like what we called you you're supposed to hate it it's supposed to hurt your feelings and Jesus is like no I love it because my actions are showing what I'm about And he gives us the reason why he hangs out with sinners and friends. If you haven't heard anything I said today, would you please hone in for a moment? Jesus says this to the question of why he's a friend of sinners. He says, it's it's not those who are healthy that need a doctor. It's not those who are well and have everything going well that need fixing, that need a doctor. But those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sinners to repentance is saying anybody and everybody who has wandered from God and is broken and is hurting, he's like, I've come for you so that you would turn and find healing for your soul. 
The purpose, the reason for Jesus being in the middle of the party, the reason, the purpose for Jesus hanging out with sinners is so that he could bring the presence of God and bring healing. His purpose to be at a party isn't like the Pharisees to be there to judge you, to judge people and say who they're better than because they're always thinking who's in and who's out and how do we keep the bad people out and Jesus, you're hanging out with the outsiders. You need to be with the insiders. You're making us look bad. And um, I love that Jesus makes his purpose so clear. I'm not here like the Pharisees, to judge you. That's not my purpose. My purpose also isn't to just get wasted, to like get intoxicated, to find escape from the world, through uh, whether it's an addiction to food, an addiction to uh, like some unhealthy relationship or some substance. My purpose at a party isn't to lose myself in self-indulgence or self-righteousness. My purpose is to bring the presence of God, His power, His love, His grace, right into the middle of this thing, so that sinners will turn, experience this, and find healing. Guys, it's really simple. And he looks at the Pharisees. It's really simple. You don't, why do you go to parties? And they're like, well, to judge people. <laughs> and because we're religious and don't hang out with people very much, to be socially awkward. And Jesus just calls them out. You know, there's all sorts of people in a church that need healing. You know, we all come here with like some kind of baggage, some kind of like wound in the heart, like some people physically sick, some people like soul sick, mentally, emotionally, spiritually sick. And Jesus is teaching us that his movement, his community, his church is to be more like a hospital than a fashion show. Like we don't come here to just like look great. Like there's, there's times if things are great, praise him. If things are bad, praise him, but be real. How many guys, like, you need more authenticity and realness in your life than, like, show? The, the church isn't for a show. And Jesus reveals that. He's in the midst of sinners. My purpose is to be present. My purpose is to bring healing. Um, I think this is so powerful. Like, if this is a hospital, that means, like, different people here friends that I know and people that I've never seen before that are here today. That means that like we need the good news of Jesus. We need the good news like of his medication, of his, of his uh, healing for our lives. Whether it's forgiveness or whether it's maybe freedom from addiction or it's like connection and family, like healthy relationships maybe for the first time. Like we need the healing of God. We need the medication that he brings. That's good news. It's not good news to come and tell everybody you're sinners and you can't, you're like there's no way you can earn a way to God and we, we might be interested in helping you if you change your life enough. See, Jesus said, no, no, they're enough for me. I came here to love them. Some people need like antibiotics when they go to the doctor. Some people like they just maybe they're hypochondriacs or something. They just need to be told you're okay, you're okay. Some people like they need uh, deeper stuff. They need like surgery. There's you know there's even people like right now I know that are in medical stuff. They need radiation and chemo. Like that's really hard stuff. But each of us are at a point where we need some kind of healing. Some people need physical you know, therapy, and it's going to be a long haul for you to get what's wrong and what's ailing you back right. Like, that's the good news medicine of Jesus. We can't do it without him, but that's what he brings. The other thing before we um, shift to what I'm really excited about for today 
is, is this. This is deeply personal for Matthew. Do you guys know that Matthew wrote a book? It's called Matthew. <laughs> it's in the Bible. He wrote a book. And it's one of the most complex, amazing books. I bet nobody would have ever guessed when he was a tax collector before Jesus that he would end up writing one of the most beautiful, complex, inviting, life-changing books in the Bible. He was a lot smarter than people realized. He had a lot more heart than people realized. And see, for him, it's personal. Because in the middle of that party, after Jesus has said, I'm choosing you to follow me, in front of all his friends, these Pharisees are, 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 are denigrating and degrading and putting down all his friends that he's brought to be with Jesus. He's ins- these leaders are insulting them, making them feel worthless, and making him feel worthless. Like, could I really be a follower of Christ? Like, I'm just a joke to them. Maybe this is just a joke, and I can't be a follower of Christ. Like, this is where Matthew's coming from. And Jesus, when he says, I came to heal the sick, I came for them, I didn't come for you, I came for these people. What he's declaring to Matthew is Jesus saying, I came here for you. And to all his friends, Jesus is declaring, I came here into this party, the presence and incarnation, the goodness of God here for you. I don't know, but I'm willing to bet there might be some Matthews here today that need to hear that God comes into the middle of the party for you. Matthew, when he wrote his book at the very beginning, he's, he called Jesus Emmanuel. When he was born, he's Emmanuel, which means God with us. The rest of the book is Matthew teaching us how God is with us. Like God came in his son Jesus in human form. No one expected that. Jesus came and hung out at parties with sinners. No one expected that, especially the religious. God is with us. God is with us sinners who have all sorts of brokenness and baggage to turn us from our ways to what? Heal us. And Jesus is looking at the world, going to the party where sinners are at, to look at us and say, I'm here for you. I I think sometimes we don't say that enough at church. Like, God is here for you. Any Matthews in the building? Any uh, friends you have that might be Matthews that need to be here, that need to hear that God is there for them, that in the middle of the party... And we, like, religious people get so afraid of parties and social situations. How many of you guys are afraid of social situations and all that mess that goes on there? Like, come on, like, let's be honest. Like, I'm introverted, or, like, I just don't know what to say, or, you know, it's just, I'm so busy. We have all sorts of reasons. And I think a lot of them are fear-based or maybe self, because we're so self-focused. But I, I want to tell you guys, there's three things that I just really practically, if we're going to be a church where Matthew can find Jesus. If we're going to be a church where sinners find healing, then we need to engage people right where they're at. Like, that's why we have a summer of party. It's to reach people. So their souls can be healed. So that we can be filled up. Like, here's three steps, easy steps. First one, if you're going to a party and you've got anxiety, you're worried about it, and you're going to be around people, it scares me, and there's, you know, there's sinners there, and that's kind of, pray about it before you go there. Just pray about it. God, would you help me to be able to be with sinners? Would you help me, if maybe like, like indulgence is something that's been a struggle, would you, Lord, would you put people around me so I'm not doing this? And maybe you need a break. Maybe you're healing right now, and you need not to be in that environment. That's okay. You guys feel me on that? You understand what I'm saying? I think it's important to recognize 
But pray about it. Pray that God would bring like one person. Or I, I've tried to pray, like, would you bring three people at this party that I didn't know that I could connect with? Lord, would you bring them? And would you just like make something cool happen? This is in your notes. Second thing, be interested in the other. One of the best gifts we give is our interest in the other person. Quit trying to be interesting. So many times we'll come to a social situation and be like, well, what do I need to say? And how do I need to say it? And, uh, you know, like, how can I be, you know, cool? How can they think I'm interesting? And it's like, whoa, 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 just stop. Be interested in them. Jesus came not to, like, show that he's the best doctor in the world. His primary purpose was to heal people. And that's how he showed that he was the best doctor. His actions showed his wisdom. So be interested. One of the best questions you can ask the party is, like, who are you connected to here? How, you know, how did you, who are you connected to here? Who are you, um, you know, how did you find your way here? Like, that's one of the best ways, because then you find out who they're connected to. Be interested in people. We live in a world that always wants to talk about me, and we've got all these me monsters, me. Start talking about them. Here's the third thing. This is, this is one I, I didn't realize until I talked with people who have more social anxiety. Sometimes there's so much anxiety or fear or busyness that we don't realize that we need to be looking for a common interest or a, a commonality. What do you have in common? The Pharisees are like, here's what's different about us. We're good, they're bad. They didn't make a whole lot of friends that way. And they kind of ticked Jesus off. Instead of looking for what's different or how you don't have things in common, look for what you have in common. Like maybe sports, maybe like a beverage, maybe school, maybe your history, maybe uh, friends that you might have that, oh, you're connected to this person. You know, I knew, I met a guy one time and I was talking with him and he was, and I learned the most fascinating thing. I was just asking questions. And he's like in his 70s, late 70s, and he goes, yeah, I was an electrician, did all these things, now I'm retired, but you know what my real passion is now? I'm like, what is it? He's like, karaoke. (laughs) If I hadn't asked the question, I would never heard that. And I thought, I'm not like a connoisseur of karaoke, but I thought that was so cool. The 70s, I was like, you're in a, he's like online karaoke. He's like, and I'm like a champion. I mean, he was really good. I'm like, can I, can I hear it? And he's like, yeah. So he showed me his karaoke. The dude could sing. And it was just like, we were connecting, like, I'm like, I like good singers, and you're a good singer, and you're great at karaoke, like, let's talk about that. You know, it was so, people, like, let's be interested in them, care about them. Those three things, pray, be interested, and find something in common. We're going to do something we don't normally do. I want to practice a party right now. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to ask you to cross the aisles, go across the room, meet someone you don't know, haven't seen, or maybe don't know well, and do those three things. I'll pray for us. But do those two things. Be interested in them and find something you have in common. All right? We're going to have some music going, so this can be practice party for the summer, all right? Let me pray for you all. God bless them, help them find something in common, and be interested in people. Amen. All right. Let's party. All right, y'all. Uh, we're going to go back to the boring part of the sermon. So good to have you guys. Find a seat real quick. Find a seat. Oh man, we got people talking. Grab your new friend and find a seat. It's okay to go sit with them, even if they're an outsider. How many of you guys grabbed uh, 
some of these nice hors d'oeuvres here. How many of you guys grabbed some of these? Pretty good. Uh, anybody got some root beer so far? That's good. Nobody? Oh, that's too bad. How many of you guys connected with someone you have you didn't know? Good. Wow. Wow. Like, just think about that for a moment. How powerful is that? Like, I've come, I come to this church. I didn't know this person, and you just like made a connection. Uh, God works through that. That is so cool. How many of you guys just talk with your friends? It was too scary to talk with. Just be honest here. It's all right. Um, that's okay. Some people like, man. When I talked about being interested in others and finding something in common, I know there's some people like I'm just socially awkward. Like they'll come up and they'll be, like, they'll have the awkward walk and talk. They'll be like, Hey, um, are you a libertarian? I'll just move. Or, you know, are you a tax collector? Oh, okay. And, you know, they'll just head off. Um, but, man, when you engage it, just think about this for a second. We were in a room with music blaring. People standing this far away from each other just being like, What's your name? How are you doing? You've got kids? Good? Good? Mm, I have a dog. Oh, that is your dog. Okay. You know, you guys are, have, you know, like any other place, any other context, that's socially awkward, right? screaming at each other, music blaring, you know, uh, tomatoes flying out of your mouth as you're eating from these. But it's community, isn't it? Like in that crazy, in that this is the right context. This is where connection happens. This is where joy and relationships, like a party, like the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is like a party. Parties are sacred. It's a place where relationship happens, where connections happen. And when we, I think when we pray about it, when we are interested in others and we engage on a level where we're, we have something in common, the purpose of the party to bring Christ's presence happen. Did you hear the din? Did you notice that? When we're talking, there was like this din, like this, this just loudness. You couldn't even distinguish the words. It's just these like human voices raised up, laughter and, you know, like just talking and even awkward moments of pauses, all happening together. And this is the kingdom of God, friends. This is what people need to experience. And think about this. If Jesus hadn't invited Matthew, who no one thought should be a religious leader, who no one thought would ever write a book called Matthew, who never like, should have even been a disciple because he hadn't made the cut, if Jesus hadn't invited him, would that party have ever taken place? Would Matthew have known personally that Jesus, when he was in the midst of his party, that Jesus was looking at him and all the sinners and even the Pharisees, who are you know saints, looking at them saying, I'm here for you. Turn and be healed. Turn to me. This is God, Emmanuel, with us. His presence. So what we were doing today brings Christ's presence. Did you know that? Would, would his friends have known that God was for them if Matthew hadn't invited them to the party? And someone invited the Pharisees or they just invited themselves over. <laughs> would the moment of truth where Jesus says, my purpose isn't to have self-righteousness or self-indulgence. It's not to judge you. It's not to get drunk. My purpose is to bring the presence of God so that you may be healed. Would that ever have been known if they hadn't been invited? Are there any Matthews in your life who need to be invited to the summer of party? Who need to be invited to your life? Who need to be engaged? Where you're interested 
and you bring the presence of Christ. My last thing is this. Is there any Matthews here today? And you needed to hear God's voice speaking to you through this party, through the worship, through the sermon, or maybe just the feel of being in this place. You hear God's voice saying to you, I am here for you. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to forgive you. And today, would you receive that invitation and respond to it and step into the life of Christ? Ask him into your life, into your heart to forgive you of your sins. Maybe today is your eternal Father Day. If you are here and you're a Matthew, would you just pray this prayer with me? Would you bow your head and pray this in the quiet of your own heart? These are not my words. These, I want these to be your words or your intention. Would you pray this prayer of faith? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my brokenness. Forgive me of all the wrong I've done. Forgive me for going my own way. Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? Would you change my life? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and taking my sin so that I could have a bright relationship with God. Today, I give my life to your care and your control. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you, and you were stepping into like the eternal Father's Day, would you mark that on a connection card? Would you come up and tell me? Would you tell somebody? It's so easy. It would be easy for Matthew just to have been like secret about like his faith. But he invited others in because he knew others need that healing. Other people need to know. Um, I want us to be a party church. But the purpose of the party is Christ. Let's sing these last few songs together. And let's bring that party. Can we give a hand for anybody as well who might have stepped into faith with Christ? We give a hand for them.